Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming to you with our first episode since the All-Star break. Uh, the Knicks won back-to-back games over the Wizards on the road Friday, then at home versus the Pelicans on Saturday. And really, things haven't been this good in Knicksland in, in quite some time. So we're going to do it. We're going to talk about it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Kenny Poon. Uh, Kenny, we've seen a lot of each other lately. So I, you know, I know how you're doing, but tell the people, how are you? What's going on? Uh, I'm good, Tom. I'm good. As you alluded to, uh, we just spent a good five days together, including a solid just, I don't know, 13 hours of travel time on uh, our trip back from Jake's wedding. Jake Storielli, uh, good guy, John Boy Media guy. Some would say Might a co-host of Talking Knicks. Some would say. Some would it, say. It'd be wrong, but no, yes, Jake's, Jake's wedding was, uh, was quite a time. Um, a lot of fun. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this, you likely follow Jake, AKA talking Jake and, uh, his wedding was in St. Lucia and what a, what a celebration of love. Yeah, it was a great time. There was a lot of good people there. Uh, A lot of love, as you said, uh, just good times. It was, uh, I've said it to other people, but it was like, it was getting a bunch of people from high school to go on a, a trip to St. Lucia together was just something that I never would have dreamed would happen. But uh, we got a lot of good people there and I had a lot of fun. I don't know about you, Tom. I had a lot. I enjoyed it greatly. Um, I did as well. A lot of pitons were drank the, uh, the local, <laughs> the local beer there. Um, but no, it was a, it was a blast. So congratulations to Jake and his sweet Jessica. On a, on a lovely nuptials. Um, glad we got to celebrate with them. And uh, speaking of love, I don't know, Kenny. The Knicks. Th- th- there's a lot of a lot of a uh, good spirit, a lot of camaraderie going on in that Knicks locker room right now. Um, yeah, you, my you my heart is full. My my heart my heart is full. You and I share that sentiment. Um, I mean, yeah, especially you guys get it. <laughs> After oh yeah, Hart yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about both of them, uh, one more than the other, I'm sure. But um, yeah, just real quick to recap the the weekend, um, the the Knicks beat the Wizards on the road. They won that game 115-109. They came out pretty sluggish in that one, like kind of some of the the post All Star break. Just I don't know, they were playing like they uh, they were still on vacation a little bit. Um, they were down 11 by the end of the first quarter. Uh, midway through the second quarter, Knicks were down 19, and it, it looked pretty ugly. Frankly, the uh, the energy level wasn't there, um, the execution wasn't there. But Kenny, then you noticed this, and I think you you might have been the first one to notice this on the internet. Kyle Kuzma hit a shot towards the end of the second quarter. He kind of 
shoved off a little bit on Julius Randle. Randle really went flying. Like it was, you know, Randle wasn't playing with the requisite intensity that he needed to at that time, even though he was making his shots. But Kuzma hit him with a too small gesture. You know that celebration. Hit um, and and from then on, Randall just like played a different level of basketball, a different level of assertiveness. He dominated from then on. Um, and I feel like you were the first one to see that. Yeah, I uh, I mentioned as you were talking that I hate that gesture. It's just so dumb. And I saw Kyle Kuzma do that to Randall. And I was like, that's just doesn't make any sense because Randall's one of the biggest, strongest guys in the NBA. I was like, that's weird. And then I continue to watch and uh, Randall just went off. Like the next two plays were just Randall dunking. And I think Kuzma on both plays just got out of the way. I was like, yeah. that's, that was weird. <laughs> and I, I wasn't going to say anything. And then it just kept going. So right. I think he ended up scoring 11 of the last like 13 points for either team in the half. So the Knicks went on an 11 to two run or a 12 to two run. I think RJ Barrett also hit a free throw in there. Yep. And then like, I tweeted it at that point, but it didn't stop there. Like Randall just kept going off in the second half. I think he probably scored. It scored 46 in the game. I'm going to say a solid 35 of them were after that happened. So like, I don't know, man, don't, don't poke the bear. And I saw on uh, people talking about on Twitter that um, Julius Randall, I don't know if it's true. They were just saying that Julius Randall is not a fan of Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma came into the Lakers shortly after, Julius Randle and replaced him in the lineup. There was some talk about that. Uh, people also said that um, Julius Randle, I didn't see the post game, but they said in, in the post game that Julius Randle said he didn't see that. But I found that hard to believe. If you go, if you go to our Twitter, uh, you can see the video. And because like Kuzma's looking straight at Randle and Randle's looking straight at Kuzma as this is happening. Um, so I find it hard to believe that that didn't happen. And um, Randle is a guy who, um, you don't want to be playing against him when he's playing angry. Cause like I said, he's just a beast. Like he's I mean, just especially a huge... when he, when he channels that anger appropriately, sometimes when he's mad at the refs, like it'll manifest in different ways, but man, it, it, it came out in all the right ways in this one. Um, his entire approach changed. Like I said, I, I think the, the most obvious one was, uh, I think Kuzma threw just kind of a lazy pass to Porzingis at the top of the key and Randall just, I mean, he did something you just really don't see him do much. And he just went and got it. Like he looked like a, a free safety going after that. He got the ball and just went, went down and dunked it on, pretty much on Kuzma, though Kuzma didn't really contest it. Um, or I mean, that one might've been like an up and under sort of situation. Yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the up that and was under. A, that was a different finish. But either way, like that steal and, and drive and take was like just so aggressive and not something you see him do too much on the defensive end. And that just epitomized to me, like, oh, his his mindset has changed. And, you know, the Knicks are not great at, typically at closing quarters, at closing halves. And they had all the momentum going into halftime. And like you said, it carried through. So, I mean, the game was certainly not over by any stretch, even after the Knicks had that comeback. Like, this game came down to crunch time. The Knicks were down with five minutes left. And, again, Randall carried us in many ways to victory. He hit back-to-back threes. He hit some clutch free throws with like a minute something left. He had both of them, which for, for Randall is, is really notable. And I mean, it was just, yeah. it was, it was overcoming this slow start. There were also some other, you know, other guys made plays quickly, hit a really tough floater over Porzingis. Brunson made a, an impossible looking shot, which the NBA later said he traveled on, which, you know, he did, he did drag his pivot foot. But the, the other thing I want to talk to you about, Kenny, was like Josh Hart kept making all these winning plays, um, going after loose balls, 
and, and, you know, just doing all the things that Josh Hart does to win games. What did you see from him? Yeah. And I, uh, I could talk forever about Josh Hart and uh, I don't think we've, we've potted since Josh Hart got traded. So as background to everyone who, and you might, you might already know, I went to Villanova. I'm a big Villanova fan and Josh Hart was my all-time favorite Villanova player. Um, and he's just a guy who, and, and I think Jalen Brunson said it, uh, when he came over, he's a guy that does everything. He does what you, what the team needs him to do. Um, I don't know that he has any elite skills. Like Brunson is just so tremendously, uh, gifted at, you know, getting around people and keeping people off balance. Um, I don't know that Hart has any of that, except, you know, he has the hustle. He has the heart as it were. Um, and he, like, I've seen it in pretty much every game like he goes out there and creates possessions in a way that you don't see that much in the nba like there have been plenty of plays where it's like it could have easily just gone the other way and no one would have thought anything of it like the the you know the wizards whoever um could have just gotten the ball like gone the other way but he tracks down rebounds he like he gets steals he he's just constantly creating possessions for his team and like that's something that knicks fans have already embraced tremendously like people already love him and that's something that like he's just going to continue to do um i think his first two games were impossibly good like i did i you know i don't think he could keep that up but he can he's he continues to do those small things to to win possessions and to to just play winning basketball and you know that's that's what i love about him yeah and you're, you're seeing him you know he's already earned tibbs's trust to close games down the stretch and close ones i mean in, in this Wizards game, I believe he was finishing, he was in crunch time and in, in, in lieu of uh, RJ Barrett, who we'll, we'll talk about because I think, you know, he had sort of an up and down uneven game to, to start the post all-star uh, break, but his game against New Orleans, I thought was extraordinary, but either way, Hart is, has inserted himself into these crunch time lineups. And I, I mean, yeah, he just, he does all the little things. He plays great defense. He does make shots too. He, he is a shot maker. And um, man, it's it's just the, the Knicks are four and zero since he's joined the team, and it's it's been really fun. He's added a whole new dimension and element of of hustle, um, and just uh, yeah. you know playing playing with force and aggressiveness. Like he's gonna make opponents feel him and, and be the assertive one. And this team needed that. Yeah, and he's just a like I said, he, he does a little bit of everything. He he's also a one man fast break. He, you know, we've seen it several times already in the, what is it, four games that he's played where he, he'll grab a rebound. He's a great rebounder uh, for, for his position, and he'll just take it all the way the other way and catch the deep defense kind of sleeping. And just like, I have no idea how it happens, but he just seems to get rebounds, take it to the other, other end, and like no one is guarding him. He just gets an easy layup. Um, so there's been a lot of that, and he's, he's been a tremendous, you know, finisher at the rim. I think one of the concerns coming in is that he hasn't been that aggressive with his shot, but like, in the last four games, he shot the three uh, pretty well overall. And I think I'd say, you know, extremely well overall. And he's just adding so many dimensions, as you said, that just like we haven't seen before. Yeah, man. Even if the shot's not sustainable, like he's still finding ways to contribute and impact winning. And that's all we care about. You know, like there, there are other guys who can, who can hit threes. I mean, Brunson's been unconscious from three for a while now. Randall, likewise, uh, you know, these are guys who, going into the season, we didn't consider necessarily shooters, right? So when we talked about the Knicks needing shooting from their complimentary players, it was with the understanding that Brunson and Randall weren't great shooters. Now they pretty much are for their positions. They are both shooting lights out. And that kind of, you know, changes 
the dynamic of what the team needs from their role players. And, you know, Josh Hart brings all of that. So, yeah. Um, and what one, one more fun dimension that has been added is uh, I think I mentioned this to, to you separately, but um, just the dynamic between Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart is just fun. Uh, I think it's something that you saw that, you know, you haven't really seen since um, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan when they were in Toronto, they were just constantly goofing on each other. And it was just like a fun thing to watch. And I, I don't know if it's you or, or Greg, um, our other co-host who, who sent it around, but uh, I think Josh Hart, you know, after his, his very hot start with the Knicks, he didn't score particularly well in this game. And, you know, he, he, he tweeted something um, about some video about, you know, doing the little things. And I think Jalen Brunson made fun of him for that. And he just said something like, you're, you're so inspirational or something like that. And I was like, that's, that's fun. That's a fun thing to do. Uh, and that's, you know, something that I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy, you know, continuing on as it goes on. Cause it's just, it's fun to see the, how these guys interact. And it's great for, you know, the locker room to have, you know, that kind of dynamic dynamic and, you know, bring guys together. Look, man, the, the, <clears throat> the locker room looks like it's a fun place to be right now. Um, that kind of transitions us to the, the Pelicans game. I want to want one more thing on this sure. game that I, I actually have wanted to talk to you guys for a while about, but I haven't brought it up. So we mentioned Julius Randle, one of his best games ever, possibly his best scoring game ever, scored 46 points, uh, close down the stretch. And Jalen Brunson, who was not having a good game shooting-wise, uh, ends up taking that last or that go-ahead shot. What are your thoughts there? Because I know it's something that we've talked about before where, you know, I think we all feel more comfortable having Jalen Brunson take that last shot. Uh, but this was a game where Julius Randle was just going off and Jalen Brunson's shot didn't look like it was really there. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, Brunson finished the game 6 of 20. So going into that shot, he was 5 of 19. Um, that's not ideal. And I think that the bigger thing for me is, you know, when the shot goes in, there's it's hard to question it. But, uh, you know, Brunson, I just trust him to have the ball in his hands to make the right decision down the stretch. Like, even if he's not the one taking the shot, this was a game where he finished with nine assists to one turnover. So even though he wasn't, you know, he didn't find his shot until very late, like he was still making the right decisions with the ball and, and setting up teammates. So I would still trust him to do that in crunch time. The fact that he decided to take it for himself and shoot, um, you know, that takes a great deal of confidence on his part, but you know, if that shot had missed or, or maybe if KP had blocked it or something, maybe Randall would have felt a little miffed by it. Cause I mean, to your point, Randall finished this game, 16 of 29, he had 46 points and was really cooking. He was seven of 14 from behind the arc and made all his free throws. So like, I mean that it shows you how confident Jalen Brunson is in his ability to score, but I, I don't think that that necessarily would have caused any kind of rift just because, you know, Brunson had proven that he was a, you know, going to set up his teammates. He was going to find Randall and um, that, that carried over to the next game as well. But it, it's a fair question and something to look for. Cause you know, Randall's a very proud guy. And when he has it going like that, you know, he expects the ball, but um, you know, thankfully we don't have to do any what ifs because, because Brunson did end up making that no travel was called. So no travel therefore happened. But um, and then one other thing we should say is that this was Mitchell Robinson's first game back since he since he uh, got injured against the last time the Knicks played Washington when you and I and Greg went to that game. So Mitch Rob came back and and looked very good, actually. Um, he looked he finished this game with a double double. He wasn't moving great on defense. He finished with four 
fouls and, and had some silly ones in there, but um, I, I thought he looked pretty good conditioning wise. And that again, carried over to this Pelicans game. You want to talk about new Orleans? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's much to talk about in this game, that there's much to, to glean from it just because the Knicks absolutely blew the Pelicans out in, uh, wire to in wire, a big man. way. Yeah. Dominated them the whole way through. It was like, yeah, it, it was one of the most dominant performances the Knicks have had in a while. Which I think maybe that's the takeaway from it because that's something that we have talked about a lot with the Knicks. Don't the Knicks haven't gotten a lot of those games where they'll have games where they go up by 20 and then the other team will cut it to 10 and then it's kind of a little uneasy the rest of the game. It stays around 10 and they win by around 10. They haven't had a game like this in a while where they just I think they were up by 30 in the closing minutes and then you know it got it got cut down to maybe 20 or looks like they won by 22. Um, but it was nice to be able to kind of relax a little bit because the Knicks have had a lot of close games this season and it's, it's been stressful. Yeah. I mean, they, they started strong. Um, Julius Randall again came out firing. He finished this game five of 10 from three. That's back-to-back games where he hit 50% from behind the arc on double digit attempts. Like that's, that's just not something you expect from, from Julius Randall necessarily, but this guy was in the three point uh, competition though. Um, I don't know how well that went. You and I didn't watch it. We were busy on the beach in St. Lucia, but um, no, I mean, Randall's been a stud lately and really everyone played well in this one. Like Jalen Brunson finished with 20 points, five assists. RJ Barrett, I think had his best game in quite some time. Like in that game against Washington, RJ actually played some decent defense, I thought, um, but offensively he struggled to start. And then in this one, he was just the most impressive thing was just his decision making. I thought he was doing a great job of, of balancing. And I tweeted about this, just like finding that balance between looking for his own shot and finding his teammates. And I, he had a season high seven assists in this one. I believe five of them were in the first half. And he was really getting guys going, particularly Mitchell Robinson. He was finding on lobs and pick and rolls. Um, so, so Mitch being back, is, is huge for him. And, and Mitch looked really strong in this one too. He, fi- he finished 11 points, 13 boards and was, was overall pretty dominant. Um, even though Valanchunas on the other end, like that's a big, strong guy and, and Mitch Rob for the most part held his own. So I don't know, like, is there anyone in particular you want to single out? I feel like it was a, it was a nice team win. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we've talked a lot about Josh Hart already, but this was another kind of great showing for Josh Hart where he had a, he had a couple of plays in this game that I, you know, highlighted that are just like small things that led to winning basketball plays. Uh, I think there, there was one play where um, I think Julius Randall came down with a rebound. Josh Hart was, you know, running up the side. He realized that his guy wasn't recovering to him and you can hear him in the audio, just yelling for the ball. He gets the ball, goes in for a layup and, he draws the foul. I don't, I think he ended up making one of two, but still it's a, it's a winning basketball play. Um, and it's just, you know, stuff like that, that I love. And uh, you know, I don't, you mentioned um, all three of the mid three, as they called it scored over 20. And, you know, so Josh, Josh Hart's, you know, stat line doesn't look as impressive um, by comparison, but you know, he was still five of six with 15 points and, you know, a lot of those small winning plays where, you know, he wins possessions. He forces things to happen. And I, you know, can't speak enough about how much I love that kind of basketball. Yeah, it was, it was a great, great win, um, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, and it's not like, you know, they had to travel a little bit too. It's not, Washington's not far, but it's, it wasn't two home games. You know what I mean? Like the, that's a tough ask coming out of the all-star break and they were up for it. 
everyone played well. Hartenstein has looked like a very good backup center again. He's just been really physical, playing good defense, had 10 boards in just 19 minutes in this one. Um, just everybody. I mean, I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but like, I mean, quickly again, Quickly's making a, a strong case for six man of the year votes. Like I've seen some, some buzz around that from national media lately because he's been that important for this team. Um, you know, everyone's doing their, their part quickly had that play towards the end of the game where he threw the ball off the backboard to Randall for the dunk. Um, I saw the, the interview from Rebecca Harlow after the game, she asked him about it. She said like noting that that doesn't count as an assist and it might even count as a missed field goal attempt. I'm not sure. Um, I, I didn't check, but quickly it was like, I did not know that I, <laughs> he thought that he, <laughs> he got an assist for that, but I, I, you know, either way, he was just joking about it and it, it, it all just looks like so much fun. Like everyone just seems like they're having a good time. These guys look like they're, you know, fun to play with. And, and it's just funny with, with quickly, especially this is someone who some people considered a gunner, like shoot first, or, you know, someone's going to look to get his, he's been very unselfish. He's been doing a great job running second units. Um, and so it's all, things are, are looking pretty good in New York. So Kenny, we can take a quick, just like zoom out a little bit and see that the Knicks right now on the season, I they're currently 35 and 27. Um, that's good for, are they the, the sixth seed right now? I'm going to pull it up. They were the sixth seed by a half a game the last I checked, which was last night. But I don't that's know right. Were... Yep. Sixth seed by half a game behind Brooklyn and up two and a half games on seventh seed Miami. So they're like comfortably in that sixth seed out of currently out of the, the playing um, tournament, which is nice. And, you know, you could certainly see them making that push because because Brooklyn is a, is a new team post All-Star break, post trade deadline. Um, uh, the five seed is, is certainly in play for the Knicks. And that's just I don't think that's something that we can that we really thought about much coming into the year. So it, it's, you know, it, it's just a very, a very positive, exciting time. I almost don't even know what to say about it. Like overall, the, the team has just been so good offensively. Um, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now, which factors out garbage time on the season. The Knicks have the sixth ranked offense and this just the 17th ranked defense. But, you know, in recent games, I'm looking in the, in the month of February, in the last 10 games, New York has the second ranked offense and 10th ranked defense, like top 10 in both second ranked offense. This that's crazy stuff that we're talking about, especially considering you know, this is a team that plays a, like a fair amount of ISO ball. They've been moving the ball better lately. They're still dead last in, in assists per game and assist percentage and all that, that stuff. But these guys are just, they're, they're playing in a way that, that doesn't seem selfish. The ball is moving. Um, and it just, it, it's the best they've played all year, no question. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I don't want to keep, harping on it but i think since the josh hart trade in particular i think they've won uh i don't know if it's four or five games they've won all the games that they've played um but they just look like so cohesive as a team and you know those those things that were happening earlier in the season where you know you were concerned about them going down the stretch about whether they blow the lead like i haven't been as concerned about that the last few games as as i was you know maybe prior to that because i think you know they have a lot like not even just Josh Hart, like having Jalen Brunson as compared to prior seasons, like that makes me so much more comfortable than going down the stretch with, 
you know, Alec Burke as the point guard or Alfred Payton at the point guard. And just like knowing that we have multiple guys who can, who can score, you know, that that's great to see. And, and I think we touched on it a little bit, but like the, the locker room vibes seem good. And you mentioned the, the quickly to, to Julius Randall off the backboard thing. And like, after that, you see the team celebrating together. You see, yeah. you see Randall like dancing with Emmanuel quickly. And it's like, that's fun. And like, that's what I want to see from this locker room. Cause I know last year with the uh, Julius Randall, like thumbs down thing. I don't know that that was a locker room thing, but just like he wasn't, he wasn't pumped to be playing basketball. And it looks like right now, everyone on this team is excited to be doing what they're doing. And like, I don't know that there, you know, I think there've been, there was concerns about, you know, Cam Reddish wasn't happy with his, his situation. And like that led to some strife. And I think right now, Josh Hart coming in and just, you know, thriving in the role that he is playing is just, it's, you know, phenomenal. And it's something that it's, it has been very enjoyable basketball to watch the last several games. Yeah. With, with Josh Hart in the lineup, like you, you don't expect a, a letdown in intensity that could lead to some of those comebacks that we see so much when the Knicks do manage to, to build a lead. But I think the, the one area where there might be maybe just a little bit of hand wringing, a little bit of concern would, would just be on the RJ Barrett front. Um, you know, only because he, he did not play in crunch time against the wizards and you know, there, there are just a lot of good wings between Grimes who's very good, to, who's may, might be the best on-ball defender on the team. And and Josh Hart now, Emmanuel quickly can has proven he can play alongside Jalen Brunson. And, and those lineups have been incredible with those two out there together. So it's like, it can be tricky finding minutes for RJ Barrett down the stretch. When he's playing as well as he did against New Orleans, that's one thing. When he's making all the right decisions, when he's getting after it on defense, like, you know, RJ Barrett's ceiling is still very high. When he's playing well, he can play as well as anybody, but the problem is that his floor can be so low and, um, and, you know, there's been a bit of a track record this season of, of struggles for him. Uh, I don't know. I, I've said before with Mitch back, like that makes a huge d- difference in RJ Barrett's approach when he's driving, he's just so much more comfortable finding Mitch on lobs. He wasn't even looking really for Sims or Hartenstein on lobs with Mitch out. And that's a huge outlet for him. Like we both know RJ Barrett drives a lot and if he doesn't have that option, you know, one fewer option for him in the lob makes it uh, much less of a weapon. So, um, and yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say that I like the way that Tibbs has handled it. And I don't actually think it's that different than, than he's handled it in the past. And like, he's going with the hot hand down the stretch. And I think he's done that in the past there before Josh Hart came, came online. He was, you know, there were still games that RJ Barrett didn't play down the stretch. And I think, you know, had it been a close game down the stretch yesterday, RJ would have played just because that's how well he was playing. Um, But I am, you know, perfectly comfortable with Tibbs if, you know, they need what Josh Hart is giving them, you know, put Josh Hart out there and let RJ sit on the bench. If RJ is playing well and they need what he has, then RJ will play. Um, I think that's the best way to handle it because that's, and you know, I think, and I think that we saw yesterday that RJ responded well by, you know, playing one of his better games of the season and, and doing a little bit of everything and kind of, you know, I think he's rising to the occasion of seeing, okay, this is what Josh Hart's bringing to the table. What can I add? And you mentioned he, he had a season high of seven assists yesterday. So I, I like it. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to, to challenge Josh Hart. And I know there's been a lot of people on Twitter who are like, I'm the biggest Josh Hart fan out there, but I don't think they're going to, bench rj barrett like 
as a starter in favor of Josh Hart. And I don't think that that would make sense to do either. So um, for all you on Twitter who are hoping for that, I just, I just don't think it makes sense. I think right now they are both very good in their roles. Um, and so I wouldn't want to mess with that. Yeah, I think that you're right. Tibbs has gone with the hot hand hand route in the past. It's just now he does have one more very good option, and it could just lead to just more benchings for RJ potentially. Um, and and I'm with you that like whoever's playing better deserves to to be on the court. Then it's just you get factoring the human element. Like how's RJ feel about that? Um, as someone who signed this big contract, who was you know drafted there to be a franchise cornerstone, I think yeah, you're right that he did handle it very well last night against new Orleans. And hopefully that continues to be the case, just something to watch out for. Um, you know, you, you see the articles written. I saw, I think it was Bondi who wrote something about, um, RJ being benched and, uh, yeah, I, you know, RJ is a high character guy, but he is also just human. So it's something to watch out for. Um, but yeah. And, and against Washington, when, even when RJ was struggling on the offensive end, he still had multiple deflections in that game which he he averages like half a deflection a game. He had a couple, and he also had one steal and one block. So he was just, his level of activity on the defensive end against Washington was very much there, even though his shot wasn't falling to begin with. And that's what I love to see. It's all about the, the process with RJ. It's all about, is he playing hard on defense, even when things aren't going his way? Is he making the right decisions on offense? You know, even if the shot's falling, you know, is he still making the right passes? And, uh, and so far out of the All-Star break, he's been doing that. And it's been really encouraging. So, uh, yeah, no no complaints on the R.J. Barrett front. And that's that's great because R.J. is the X factor, man. Like, if, if R.J. is playing well, like, this this team is can really go places. Yeah, and I think people forget how young R.J. Barrett still is. And, like, he's got he's got some growth to do for sure. And, like, I think a little bit of that is that's, that's why you see some of this inconsistency. And, you know, if he – can consistently shoot the ball and can consistently play defense. He is going to be such a valuable player for more years than just this year. So I, I'm not, you know, I, I know people get, get fixated on the now. And, you know, when he gets benched, people have their opinions, but like the, Tibbs is trying to win basketball games and like in the now that's the best way to do it. But long-term, I think that RJ Barrett is still a very valuable piece of this franchise. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so we've got, I, I mean, I think we kind of covered a lot of it. I think we can go ahead and move to, to looking forward here. Um, people are probably listening to this on Monday, meaning that tonight the Knicks are at home against the Boston Celtics. Um, and then Wednesday at home against the Brooklyn Nets, which is a huge one because, as we mentioned, Brooklyn is just a half a game ahead of New York for that five seed. Um, so, you know, a big week coming up. And then uh, the Knicks have Miami at Miami on Friday and then Sunday evening again at uh, at Boston. So this week has features two games against the Celtics who are playing some good ball right now. They just won a nail biter against the 76ers last night. So um, it, it, this would be a tough week coming up. There, there's no like there's no easy wins here. There's no guarantees. Um, what, what are you thinking for, for these next four games? So not only is this a tough week, but this is a. Big week in that, like you mentioned, Brooklyn is right ahead of us. And I think Miami is right behind us. So those yep. two teams sandwich us. And then, you know, Boston is – I know people try to make the Brooklyn rivalry happen. I hate the Celtics more than I've ever hated Brooklyn. So uh, I would like to win 
at least one of those two games, and I'd like to win the Brooklyn and Miami game. So I'm going to go three and one. Three wow. and one is my three prediction. I want to stay optimistic. I mean, Brooklyn and Miami are very winnable games, and I'm not going to take one of those teams in a game I think we can win. And Boston's just a very good team, so I'll, I'll take the split in those two. Yeah, I mean, Boston's eight and two in their last ten. They're on a three-game winning streak. They're the number one seed in the East, right? Like that's a that's a very good team. Um, they're actually the, the best record in the entire league. So um, that, that that's a tough matchup. But to your point, the Nets are just four and six in their last ten. Um, they're a completely different team than they than they're the than they were when the Knicks played them earlier. And the Heat are also four and six in their last ten. Not exactly lighting the world on fire. So um, yeah, I think. I mean, if the if the Knicks go two and two this week, I still see that as a win. Um, three and one would just be like, what are we talking about here? Like this things could we'd be talking a little crazy on next week's next week's episode. But um yeah, man. I mean, any anything else? I, I'm so pumped that Mitchell Robbins is back. Um it, it kind of just realigns the the big man rotation in a way that makes sense, um, gets Hardenstein back into a role that is perfect for him, and everything kind of falls into place with a rim protector like that, with a, with a rim running presence like that. So with Josh Hart and Mitchell Robinson, like two great defensive players that this team is, is going to be really interesting down the stretch of the season, man. I, I can't wait. Yeah. And I think something else worth mentioning is uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, the Knicks were number two in strength of schedule. They've dropped down to number 11 because of their, their tough stretch the last few weeks. They played the Sixers two or three times already. Um, so they are like solidly, not solidly, but they're in that middle third of, you know, they're, they're going to play an average schedule. And that's going to go down even further after this week, because uh, mm-hmm. this is based off of, you know, current win percentage. So both the Nets and the, the Celtics are, are on that list. Um, so, you know, I had a little bit of trepidation in how they would fare coming out of, uh, I think it was December into Jan- January that a real soft schedule. And then they had a very tough schedule. But they handled it very well, and uh, that has me optimistic for you know the rest of the season. There's not a ton of games left, um, but I feel good. I think I I placed a bet at I don't know it was 38 and a half wins, 39 and a half wins. I'm feeling good about that. Um, so I think you know I think the Knicks have a solid shot here to to avoid that playing game and you know make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean as the playoffs get closer, we're gonna have to start talking about expectations and and what constitutes success. Cause I think that the, the goalposts have moved a little bit, you know, like what we considered at the beginning of the season, I feel like we, we probably have to change our expectations a little bit um, based on how well they've played and, and some acquisitions made and things like that. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking all about that in the coming weeks, but Kenny, this is a, it's the most fun Knicks basketball we've had to watch in a long time. I'm glad this is, you know, I'm glad we're talking about it. So um, for everyone out there listening, watching, make sure you subscribe on YouTube, uh, subscribe to us on various podcast platforms, follow us on Twitter at Talking Nicks, on Instagram at Talking Nicks. We're putting out a lot of videos, a lot of content. So um, some good stuff there. We appreciate you all. Leave your reviews, all that stuff. And uh, until next time, hey, let's go Knicks. Next take.